The Ohio State Buckeyes went on the road to play in Camp Randall in a primetime matchup against the Wisconsin Badgers, who were in first place in the Big Ten West. The number three Ohio State Buckeyes came out victorious in a 24-10 matchup that featured turnovers, running the football, physicality amongst the lines of scrimmage, and less-than-desirable quarterback play from both sides. What was funny is, during this game, Todd Blackledge was talking about how Braden Locke has impressed the staff and even impressed him with his poise and maturity. And I'm thinking in my head while he's saying that, these are the things that you should be saying about Braylon Allen. Who Braylon Allen, him lining up in formation with Wisconsin, he is about as tall and long and big as an offensive tackle with the speed of an X-Factor wide receiver and the bruising ability of a traditional you know, 20th century running back or fullback. Braylon Allen's incredible. I hope he's healthy. There's a lot to unpack from this game, and once more, it's another matchup where Ohio State's defense looks elite, one of the best in the country. Yes, there were some concerns with the run game, but that's how good Braylon Allen is, and after he went down, even Wisconsin's great offensive line could not hold their own at the point of attack against Ohio State's elite defense. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. Before we resume this reaction and analysis of Ohio State's primetime win over the Badgers with former Buckeye Luke Fickle being their head coach, fun little fact. Make sure to like this video, hit that subscribe button, Hit that subscribe button, especially if you are an Ohio State fan, not just because the subscribe button is red, which I know that Ohio State football's colors are technically scarlet and gray, but scarlet is a derivative, a variant of red. Hit that subscribe button also because this is the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube, and Ohio State and Michigan are the teams that I cover the most. I do in-depth analysis for much of the Big Ten and occasionally touch on other teams as well. I am going to be doing a Oregon-Utah reaction video along with reacting to Penn State versus Indiana and a variety of other games later today on Sunday and also tomorrow on Monday. So subscribe to the channel. Also click the notification bell so you get notified when I post reaction videos for games from Week 9 and future games as well for Ohio State football, Wisconsin football, Big Ten football, or for any type of college football matchup that interests me, you will likely be interested along with myself. Also, comment your own thoughts on this game, your reaction, your analysis. Tell me something about Ohio State that grew on you in this game that you liked, and tell me something that has you concerned. And do the same for Wisconsin if you're an Ohio State fan, or especially if you're a Wisconsin fan. Tell me your thoughts down below. I'm very curious. And lastly, make sure to check out my Patreon page if you want to support the channel and also gain some extra content depending on the Patreon tier that you sign up with via the link in my description, and I will also pin the link to my Patreon in, a, in the comment section. Thank you very much for listening, and let's get back to the video. So, 24-10... to 10, 
was the final score. Ohio State moves on to 8-0. They're guaranteed a winning record in the Big Ten Conference with five conference wins. There's only four more conference games left. Wisconsin falls to 3-2, and 5-3 and on the year. The Badgers lost to Washington State. Washington State just lost to Arizona State. And that loss doesn't look good. The loss to Iowa. Iowa's a 6-2 and team. It's probably one of the worst 6-2 and teams in the country. And Ohio State, Wisconsin was able to have some competition early in the game. Right after, right out of halftime, they went on a two-minute, 30-second drive. Seven plays, 75 yards. Braden Locke was accurate, well-poised on that drive. But after that Wisconsin touchdown, Ohio State marched down in five minutes and 16 seconds to retake the lead with Marvin Harrison Jr.'s second touchdown reception. And that was a beautiful, beautiful touchdown catch by Marvin Harrison Jr. 19 yards, his toes, his feet were perfectly placed. He held onto the ball, didn't lose possession while hitting the ground, and he took a hit. It took him a while to get back up. He had the wind knocked out of him. Marvin Harrison Jr. has had nearly a disastrous injury on his ankle. He's been beaten up several times, and by beaten up, I don't mean literally fist fight. I mean, he's targeted consistently throughout the game. If there's one takeaway that I can have from this matchup, it's that one player going down matters a whole lot. That there are teams, but this is a, this is a rarity, there are teams where one player goes down and he's a starter, no one cares. Sub in player number two, no drop-off. Georgia was like that for the past two years. Michigan last year, I mean, Blake Corum, he's hurt. Donovan Edwards, who cares? Long touchdown runs. You get a different kind of player. And by who cares, I don't mean you don't feel for the kid. You feel for him. I mean, who cares in the sense that there's no production drop-off. The team doesn't feel missing that player. Emotionally, they do. And I hate injuries as much as anyone. And I've said that many times before. It sucks that Allen is hurt. I wince every time that I see a player hurt. What I'm trying to express is Travion Henderson rejuvenated Ohio State's ground attack. And when he isn't there, the run game is non-existent. Ohio State needs Travion Henderson. And they need Marvin Harrison Jr. If Marvin Harrison Jr., just season-ending injury, what's going to happen to the passing offense? Especially in this game where Kyle McCord, 17-26, 26 passing yards, two touchdowns to Marvin Harrison Jr., two interceptions. One of those interceptions, which he threw to Ricardo Holman, of course, was another pass attempt to Marvin Harrison Jr., and Marvin Harrison Jr. had 123 yards out of Ohio State's 226 passing yards. He had more than half of Ohio State's passing yards, six receptions, several more targets that were fallen incomplete or Kyle McCord threw over Marvin Harrison Jr. or didn't, didn't accurately throw to him. McCord did show some accuracy issues, amongst other things. But there were also times where he threw absolutely perfect dimes. So this Ohio State team, d defensively it's different. Denzel Burke, 
last week, he's out. A plug-in player number two, welcome freshman Jermaine Matthews Jr., and Penn State still cannot help themselves passing the football. Ohio State's offense, I think, the any kind of preseason luster, and maybe I'm very late for this, I think we're really figuring out that this offense, it's not hanging by a thread per se, but I think it's upside in a sense is hanging by a few strings and having Henderson, having Marvin Harrison Jr. is so important. And also Cade Stover, I don't know why necessarily, but he did not, he did not have a single catch all game. He had a lot of nice blocks, though. I mean, he's a you know great, great blocking tight end. If anything, maybe an elite blocking tight end. But it was very interesting watching how Wisconsin's run game, you know, Braylon Allen goes down, and they have to go pass heavy. And with a second-string quarterback, a wide receiver core that's prone to drops, Wisconsin averaged 4.2 yards per pass attempt. And Jackson Acker... Nine carries, 34 yards, 3.8 yards per carry. Without Braylon Allen, I I said it when it was announced that he was on the sidelines. I told my dad while we were watching this game, I'm like, this game's done. Wisconsin's not winning without Braylon Allen. And Allen, 10 carries, 50 yards. He had one fumble that Ohio State recovered, and then another fumble that his own teammate recovered. And at that moment, Wisconsin already, to a certain degree, was digging themselves in a hole because they don't want to turn over the football. They want to be cautious. They they know that their defense can limit this Ohio State offense, but they they play it safe. And by altering their game plan so early, as early as the first quarter, Wisconsin, their staff, Luke Fickle, put Ohio State in an even better position to win, I think unintentionally. On Wisconsin's first two drives, they ran Braylon Allen four times, and one out of every two carries for Allen in those drives, he coughed up the football. That does cause concern. However, if you're Wisconsin, you know that with Braden Locke at quarterback, with Will Pauling, Chimari DK, Keontes Lewis, and a wide receiver core that has a lot of upside, C.J. Williams as well, he caught it. He caught a ball. It was a nice catch, by the way. But a wide receiver core that nonetheless is very prone to drops. If you want to win, you have to run the football. Let me spell it out for you. R-U-N space T-H-E space F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Run the football. You have to. And after those two fumbles... Next time, Wisconsin gets the football. And Wisconsin's defense was gifting the offense with possessions. Ohio State had three turnovers. Wisconsin won the turnover battle. And you look at the play-by-play, Ohio State turned it over on downs with a fumble. And they settled for a field goal. Then a punt was forced. And then there was an interception. Then Ohio State got a touchdown, went up by 10. And then another, another interception that was in Wisconsin territory. Both picks were in Wisconsin territory, that if Ricardo Holman did not catch those balls instead of Ohio State's wide receivers, tight ends, running backs out of the backfield, 
Ohio State very well could have put this game away by halftime. And on several drives, Wisconsin was caught being pass heavy. And I don't think that that's how you're going to beat this Ohio State team. Whether it was Maryland or Notre Dame or in this matchup, Ohio State's strength on defense is pass defense, especially healthy. I mean, Braden Locke at one point, one-on-one throw to Denzel Burke. Are you kidding me? I mean, Denzel Burke has barely allowed any yards or receptions within his area of coverage, whether man or zone. Really good corner. I mean, great elite corner. Future NFL corner, Denzel Burke. He's playing a lot more like his 2021 self than his 2022 self, and, and being healthy helps with that. And then on offense for Ohio State, you know, running the ball with Travion Henderson, and in a certain sense, you could say that with Henderson, Ohio State was able to do what Wisconsin wanted to do. Travion Henderson had 24 carries for 162 yards, one touchdown. He had a breakout game against Wisconsin. I think this was either this game or the game against Notre Dame was his best game of the whole season, and that's very impressive. He also had 45 receiving yards on four receptions. So he had 28 total touches and he had 207 total yards with a touchdown. Really great game by him. Having him back, like I said earlier, is critical. Because Ohio State's rushing attack without him is non-existent. It, it, it would be like the Maryland game, the Penn State game. It, it would be miserable. Henderson has to stay healthy. I'm going to say this right now. If Ohio State wants to beat Michigan, they have to have Henderson. And Marvin Harrison Jr., he has to be targeted all the time. He has to stay healthy. Mecca Egbuka has to stay healthy. Stover has to get involved. And like I said earlier, the upside that this offense has, which is very high, you take out one or two players, the upside's gone, and you're left with the inconsistencies that we see for about half of the game or for the drives where Ohio State doesn't get into the end zone. Or they do... They get into the red zone, rather, but they kick field goals or it takes them several plays to execute in the red zone to get a touchdown, and they seem out of their identity. I I don't want to be too critical of this offense, but the offensive line still is not close to elite. Quarterback play, McCord threw two interceptions. He had a lot of inaccurate balls. He also had some nice passes, like his two passes to Marvin Harrison Jr., those are perfect. Can't do any better than that. But Braden Locke, he also had some really good passes too. So consistency for Kyle McCord is really important. Henderson and Harrison were the most consistent players for Ohio State's offense. Uh, They led the team in receiving yards. Henderson had 45 receiving yards. Marvin Harrison Jr. had 123 receiving yards. He's averaging 18.5 yards per reception. He has 889 receiving yards, 8 receiving touchdowns on 48 receptions. And if C.J. Stroud was back for this season, he'd already be well over 1,000 receiving yards. I mean, he is open, he is everywhere, and he is elite all the time. He's America's best wide receiver. In fact, you know, Ryan Day said post-game that he thinks Marvin Harrison Jr. is America's best player. 
he very well could be right on that. I mean, freak athlete, very intelligent, disciplined player. I mean, he's just, you cannot have a better, a better gift as a player than Marvin Harrison Jr. You can't. Very hard worker, relentless, tough, you know, plays through injury, whether it's Notre Dame or whether, you know, on that second touchdown catch, he got hit pretty hard. He got landed on weird, but he stuck through it. And then Travion Henderson, another very consistent player, 24 carries, 162 yards, averaging nearly seven yards per carry, one rushing touchdown. On the year, Henderson is getting close to 500 rushing yards. He has six rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 6.7 yards per carry. He's been away since the Notre Dame game, so he's had about a month to recover from his injury. He was out against Maryland, out against Purdue, out against Penn State, and he was banged up during the bye week. So for about four weeks, he's been you know, resting that injury and, and taking care of it, and he looked very healthy. Looked like the elite player, the great player that we've seen for the past two seasons when he's healthy, or even when he's banged up. He, I mean, he still has that speed and fluidity and agility that we all like to see. And the defense for Ohio State, the defense gave Ohio State's offense multiple opportunities, and they shut down Wisconsin's offense. I mean, there were those two drives, the field goal and the touchdown. That was it. Wisconsin on the day only had 259 total yards, and a lot of those yards came on some of the final drives that Wisconsin had where they were backed up almost in their own end zone, and they got to about the 40 or the 50, and then they had to surrender. I mean, this is literally a perfectly executed bend-but-don't-break defense from Jim Knowles. Of course, like every defense, it has its drawbacks. A Manny Diaz's defense, for example, we'll talk about them later today. Super aggressive, like to light up the scoreboard, and there goes Brennan Soresby making himself look like Joe Burrow in 2019. If you're aggressive, you will give up big plays. That's what happened to Ohio State last season. They gave up a plethora of big, painful, uh, game-ending, momentum-grabbing plays, whether it was to Michigan, Georgia, in some cases, Penn State as well that year. Um, in, In Ohio State's biggest games, I mean, even Lorenzo Styles, Lorenzo Styles had a long reception against Ohio State last year when he was with Notre Dame and not the Buckeyes. So Jim Knowles' defense has really undergone a lot of systematic changes, and the defense executes better. They're more disciplined. They're stronger. They're tougher. I really enjoy watching this defense. I do. The problem with Ohio State is this offense is, and I don't want to sound too harsh, I've probably said that once or twice, but the expectation for an Ohio State offense is very high. And Henderson, Marvin Harrison Jr., these are elite players. They are. However, you have to have more than just those two. You have to have more than just two players out of 11 to fully function as an offense. And maybe I'm overreacting here. But Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson, they're great players. They can probably carry Ohio State through a lot of games. But to maximize the Buckeyes' chances to win, 
McCord has to do better than two touchdowns, two interceptions. Has to do better than a 56 quarterback efficiency rating. I was very impressed with individual efforts by Ohio State and the team effort of the defense. But the team effort of the offense, I came away, I'd say, a little underwhelmed by. And we'll get more into that later in this video. I'm talking about Wisconsin. A Braden Locke definitely, I think, has potential, has maturity, and has poise. And the wide receivers, they struggled with drops, but also they were able to get open. They made some pretty incredible catches. I think the wide receivers are solid, and they have potential as a group and as individuals as well. Wisconsin had 259 offensive yards, one touchdown. The defense wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There were several missed tackles. You could tell they didn't have Ohio State speed. And that 3-3-5, I think that played a role in Ohio State's success as well. I mean, Wisconsin, defensively, they were able to do well in holding up the pass attack of Ohio State. But ultimately, that's Ohio State's strength is passing the football. They were eventually going to be able to pass on Wisconsin's defense. And unlike TCU's 3-3-5 against Michigan last year, Wisconsin didn't get two pick sixes, which ultimately would have led this game to being 24-24. Probably would have been a different outcome if Wisconsin got two pick sixes. That's the story of the 3-3-5. It's a very boomer-bust defense that's designed to work with great offenses. Look at USC, for example, with Alex Grinch. I mean, that's what the 3-3-5 is designed for. Wisconsin does not have a great offense. I mean, the performance by the defense is very admirable. I'm just pointing out that if Wisconsin wanted to have a chance to win, they had to have a good performance either on the ground or through the air. And they likely weren't going to have a performance and put yards through the air with Braden Lockett quarterback, the wide receivers, and also the tight ends that they have. That wasn't going to happen. Um, they have not been successful this year with garnering big plays, with getting scores through the air. Really, they have reverted back to using their ground game. And Chesma Lucy, sadly, is already out for the season. Braylon Allen, we'll see the news about his injury, but him you know, being on the sidelines and he wasn't able to put much weight on his foot when he went down right before halftime. I, I really hope he's okay um, because, again, players, they only have so many games, so much eligibility, and Allen is, look, he's a stand-up kid. He's a leader, and he's he's under the age of 20, by the way. He's younger than I am. I am only 20. I think Braylon Allen's ni 19. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, it, it, it really how he's built, his speed, his maturity. I mean, he's not just a good runner. He's an elite blocker as well. And I'm impressed with him. And to see that caliber of a player and that caliber of a man go down is unfortunate. I, I hope he doesn't go down for the whole season. For Luke Fickle, you could tell that you know he wanted to come out and get a win, and I thought Wisconsin's game plan was originally great. I think they maximized their chance to win. Unfortunately, I think they were too reactive with those early fumbles. Braylon Allen being injured, really, that, that took away any hope of an upset or a game that came down to the wire. 
So looking ahead, Wisconsin right now is tied for first in the Big Ten West. They're tied with Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. I mean, that just sounds so weird to say. It's exactly like last year, except instead of, you know, Purdue and Illinois being in the conversation, Nebraska is in the conversation. Oh, somehow, I mean, if Northwestern beats Iowa, they're in the conversation too. I mean, strange times, extremely, extremely strange times for the Big Ten West, and and really the Big Ten as a whole. The Big Ten right now has eight out of the bottom ten scoring offenses in all of college football. I think Indiana, Purdue, Iowa, Michigan State, and there's several others too that are all the way down there in, in bottom 10 scoring offenses of FBS. It's just, it's nuts. It's unfathomable. I don't even want to talk about it here. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, that's that's the top group. That's the top of Mount Olympus, and then it's a big drop-off from those three teams. And Michigan at a bye, a Penn State, we'll talk about them later today. I'm going to make a video about them later today. I mean, that was, holy cow, like, how how do you let Indiana do that? But Penn State came out with a win. Drew Aller did have some nice throws along with inaccurate ones, and Penn State's defense eventually bowed up, got a safety, forced some turnovers. We're talking about Wisconsin and Ohio State here. For Wisconsin, Ricardo Hallman and that secondary were really swarming all around. Ricardo Hallman had a pick. Preston Zachman had a pick. Wisconsin had four sacks, nine tackles for loss, two passes defended. I mean, this is an aggressive defense. And Mike Tressel, I think, is one of the best defensive coordinators in all of college football. This team I was too high on entering this season. I project them to go 10 and 2. Right now they're 5 and 3, 3 and 2 in conference. I mean their future matchup against Minnesota, I'd say that's one to look at with concern. Nebraska is peaking. Their offensive line is getting better. Their offense is getting better despite the injuries they've suffered. They have a run game they're they're finally believing in themselves and they have one of the best defenses in dare I say it possibly all of college football I mean that sounds nuts to say but Nebraska I mean they they have a defense Northwestern that's a game that if if Allen isn't healthy and Locke you know with him at quarterback and and the offense that is being operated without Allen and with more of a pass heavy type scheme there are several games outside of, I'd say, at Indiana, because Indiana just isn't good. They might they might be broken after that game against Penn State where they just couldn't finish. Uh, there's a potential for Wisconsin to lose more than just one game on their remaining schedule. I mean, 7-5, 8-4, I think seems very likely for this team. They can also win out, though. They have the talent in the trenches and on defense to go 9-3, and three. If they win out, as long as Iowa, due to tiebreakers, doesn't also win out, they will be an Indy. And spoiler alert, I don't think Iowa's going to win out. I mean, that offense is too bad for for Iowa, pardon me, to go 10-2. It's way too bad. I mean, they're either losing to Rutgers or Nebraska, 
And I could see them lose to Illinois or Northwestern just because the margin for error for this Iowa team is so small that one or two turnovers is like dropping an anvil from, you know, the Empire State Building onto a human being. I mean, that's how disastrous an offensive turnover is for this Iowa team. And they committed three of them against Minnesota. But Wisconsin, they don't control their own destiny. They don't. But they're the most talented team in the West. Braden Locke, again, he actually had a 61 quarterback efficiency rating. He had a more efficient game, according to ESPN, than Kyle McCord did, which I totally believe. And the Badgers were still able to rush for nearly four yards per carry, even when Allen only accounted for 10 carries out of 25. So Wisconsin, they have potential. They do have a ground game. Uh, Will Pauling, one receiving touchdown, 51 receiving yards. Bryson Green had 46 receiving yards. Pauling on the season is two receiving touchdowns, 449 receiving yards. He's averaging exactly 11 yards per reception. He transferred in from Cincinnati. He's young, 5'10", 187 pounds. He's going to be at Wisconsin, I think, as long as Luke Fickle's here and as long as he's starting. I like the future of Wisconsin under Fickle. I just underestimated the, the, the length of time it would take to rebuild this team and how much they had to get right as a staff and as a roster for them to explode this season. And Tanner Mordecai, he was playing pretty mediocre football, then he went down, and Braden Locke doesn't have the same mobility or the same experience. I mean, Wisconsin right now, with the injuries they have, is is put in a really rough position. So... That's, that's why I picked Ohio State to win this game and to cover the spread. Ohio State won by 14. Spread was 14 and a half. But that was about the only thing that went majorly wrong for the Buckeyes in this matchup. And that's just based off of the fact that I want to be right in my predictions. Ohio State won by double digits. They were tied at one point, but they never trailed. And after Wisconsin tied up the football game, Ohio State took five minutes off the clock, drove down, and had another touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. This defense is patient, physical, athletic. Ohio State put up 407 offensive yards. They had three touchdowns. All of this, by the way, with three turnovers. A fumble on a fourth down, two interceptions in Wisconsin territory, and this Ohio State defense bowed up. Bowed up. They only allowed two drives that meant anything of substance. Um, Wisconsin attempted a long field goal. They missed it. Ohio State, I believe, they, they didn't miss a field goal, but again, that missed fourth down conversion. Both teams left potential points off the board, and Ohio State made a lot of mistakes. But altogether, this defense, if you looked at the box score and you saw the fact that they only had two sacks and four tackles for loss— you might think that it was Wisconsin who was constantly shooting themselves in the foot. And with that, you know, change of game plan, they didn't do themselves a ton of favors. But Ohio State, they covered well. They allowed some conversions on third down and some big plays through the air. But they held Braden Locke to 18 completions on 38 attempts. Wisconsin was 0, and 0 of 2 on fourth down, 6 of 16 on third down. Wisconsin only averaged 4.2 yards per pass attempt. 
3.8 yards per rush. Both teams had around five penalties for around 25 yards. Wisconsin had five penalties for 26 yards. Ohio State had six penalties for 25 yards. The Buckeyes also, with Henderson as their running back, they were able to do something that they haven't done for much of the season, but you can tell that they've wanted to because I've speculated about this and talked about this, about the reason why Ohio State is running the football so much, even when it seems like they're throwing away possessions, is so that they can control the tempo of the game. Talk about tempo. Talk about slowing the game down. Talk about being a boa constrictor and being physically tough. Wisconsin is known for dominating T.O.P., traditionally running the football all over you. Ohio State had a nearly 12-minute possession advantage over the Badgers in their own stadium when they've struggled to run the football all season long. I mean, adding Henderson to the offense creates a whole different dynamic. And I, I will say here, I'm a Michigan fan. Uh, Michigan right now, you, you look at ES, go look up ESPN's FPI and look at the efficiency metrics. Michigan is a mile ahead of everyone in terms of efficiency. This style of football from Ohio State is intimidating because not only do they maintain that X-factor speed on the outside, elite perimeter play, a wide receiver that you cannot cover for the whole game, he is going to score, you, you have to outscore Ohio State. With Henderson in, this offense gives Ohio State a level of security that they are going to score points. And it puts pressure on opposing teams that they have to score to keep to, to, to play with Ohio State, let alone to win. And this defense is good enough to where I could see them hold any offense in America to the 20s, lower to mid 30s. I could. And if you can do that, if the most points you give up is in the high 20s, in the low to medium 30s, you you can win any game in college football if that's the most you will give up. Because this offense with Henderson, with Igbuka, with Stover, with, I was thinking about Jackson Smith and Jigba just because of, you know, the high-impact, high-ceiling receiver he is. With Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State still has all the skill players that they need in the world to have an offense that can strike. Quarterback play needs to improve. The offensive line needs to improve. And the run defense, this is the one concern about how Ohio State plays. Ohio State's defense would have no concerns about it if they had last year's or the 2021 offense. The 2021 or 2022 offense with this defense, let me tell you what that would mean. That would mean whoever wins the game is winning the national championship by 21 points. That's what the 2021 or 2022 Ohio State offense paired with the 2023 Silver Bullet defense would mean. That would mean that in Ann Arbor, Michigan and Ohio State would be beyond the number one or number two team in the country or at least Ohio State more so. They've played a tougher schedule. The 2023 defense playing that tougher schedule we know is elite, and we know the 2021 and 2022 offenses are elite. Anyway, 
the point I'm trying to make is that the offense is limited enough to where this defense has to put more weight on their back than they would have to if Ohio State had the typical Ryan Day offense that we've seen in a variety of different forms from 2019 to 2022, but an offense that could blow through any defense, like a leaf blower blowing, blowing leaves to the curb to be you know, sucked up by the leaf collectors. This offense, they have inconsistencies, McCord turning it over three times, and a passing game that really relies on Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kyle McCord do have that special connection and that connection that McCord doesn't have with either Cade Stover or any other wide receiver. And I think that without the consistent threat of scoring on every drive that Ohio State's offense used to present, this defense really has to play a much more perfect game than perhaps that they want to. And they've been able to play very conservatively. They haven't had to make too many risks or too many choices because Penn State's offense is limited. Even Notre Dame's offense has limits to it. Maryland's offense, limited. Wisconsin's offense, limited. Uh, Michigan's offense, not limited. Oregon's offense, not limited. Georgia's offense, with or dare I say it without Brock Bowers, not limited. Texas's offense, with a healthy Quinn Ewers, not limited. Washington's offense, even though they're down a running back due to preseason injury, with their offensive line, with their quarterback and wide receivers, and Ryan Grubb is the OC, they aren't limited. I'm curious to see how this defense approaches near elite or elite offenses because I think they will have to they will have to bring extra guys for pressure. They will have to make more calculated decisions. They won't be able to rely on raw talent and training and conditioning. Jim Knowles will have to make tough decisions, much like he did against Michigan and Georgia last season. So I'm anxious to see that, but this team is still one of the best teams in the country. Um, The reason I'm critiquing this team a lot is because Wisconsin is a very limited opponent. Wisconsin, they were able to run the football at times, and McCord threw some pretty, pretty, I'd say almost egregious passes, and you can't have that in future games. If you want to win the Big Ten, if you want to win the national championship, and I'll say that about any team, like Penn State and Drew Aller, you cannot perform the way that you have been on offense, period. For Michigan, that Bowling Green game was very disastrous. You can't do that. So for the Buckeyes, they have to be more consistent offensively. McCord, I think, is the biggest area of the offense that needs improvement. But Henderson, Marvin Harrison Jr., those are elite players. The offensive line, both against Penn State and in this game, looked better than they did against Maryland. Maryland, I think, was the low point of this offensive line. I think they're going to continue to improve throughout the season. And the pass defense, the run defense as well, I'm very impressed with. So the Buckeyes move on to 8-0, 5-0 in conference, and the Badgers fall to 5-3. and The Buckeyes control their own destiny. The Badgers, they do need some help particularly from whether it's Northwestern, 
Rutgers, Illinois, or Nebraska. They need help from one of those teams to beat the Hawkeyes. And if they win out, then maybe Ohio State and Wisconsin, if both teams win out and Iowa loses, they definitely rematch in Indianapolis. Thank you so much for watching this video. I want to give a quick shout out to my patrons, Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted, my all-American patrons, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, and Chris Lane, my all-conference patrons. Make sure to check out my Patreon page via the link in the description, and have a great day, guys. I'll see you later tonight. Bye-bye.